Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. Today's recording comes from Doug Duncan and Catherine Poissarat's livestream series, Enlighten Up. In this talk, Doug and Catherine explore the shadow, the unconscious drives that keep us stuck in repetitive patterns and limited views of what's possible. They discuss how integrating our shadow releases us from being held in its grip and liberates massive amounts of energy that we can use for wholesome pursuits and positive states of mind. Helping people experience spiritual awakening is the reason Planet Dharma exists. If you are also passionate about unfolding and awakening deeper and more quickly, we encourage you to enroll in one of our online courses. Each year, Doug and Catherine host multiple online courses live on various topics with the goal of empowering participants to dive deep into their awakening spiritual practice. Learn more about upcoming opportunities to join these online offerings at planetdharma.com online. And now here's today's recording. Today we're here to talk about the shadow. We've all got one. And why should you care? What does it matter? What kind of difference does it make in your life? T.S. Eliot talked about the prisoner. And that ties to the Plato's cave allegory of the prisoner, which is, in a sense, the prisoner is a metaphor for how we are held captive by our shadows. That's right. Mm -hmm. If we are not actively engaged with integrating our shadow, then our shadow has probably got us in its grip. Right. And that's not a fun place to be. Right. It's a much more fun place to be if we are integrating our shadow because it's a really awesome resource. And for one thing, it releases our energy so that it's available for more interesting things like exploration and joy. And it creates a divided house, shadow ego. You could say in a way that all suffering or struggle or anxiety or worry or anger, or fear and restlessness. restlessness in the consciousness is in fact a manifestation or a appearance from the energies caught in the shadow behind. Okay, so what is the shadow? What do we mean by that? When we talk about the shadow, we're talking about it as described by Carl Jung, the famous psychologist. So these are mostly desires, desires, drives, they could be ideas that are trapped in the unconscious or subconscious. Now the thing about the shadow is they don't stay trapped. They're always trying to get out, but they pop out at really inopportune times and as kind of maybe fantasies that we find disturbing or perhaps impolite comments, we could, <laughs> we could say. And things that if we're in an altered state, say if we're drunk, we may behave in a, in a way that's totally unlike us. And this is the shadow trying to get out. Because basically the shadow, like the rest of us, like any organism, like plants, is seeking light. It's kind of the same with Freudian slips, which is Catherine alluded to. A Freudian slip is revealing shadow elements. So in uh, Wasteland, uh, T.S. Eliot talks about being locked in a prison, but having the key in your hand. Mm -hmm. and that all you have to do is turn that key and walk out the door and you're out of the prison. But the nature of the ego, although it might know it has the key in the hand, because of its addiction to its cell, its prison, it doesn't use it. And so in a sense, the shadow is your key. It's your, or it's at least the access to your key. And your conscious mind is the decision maker that says, I am going to put this key 
in this lock and turn it. And your ego says, I don't know what's behind that door. I don't think I want to know why open that can of worms. I think I'll just go back to the view I have out here. Kind of the devils you know is better than the angels that you don't. So put the key in the door and liberate yourself. So let's uh, tell you about Plato's cave, shall we? Please. All right. So in Plato's cave allegory, the prisoners, the same as T.S. Eliot's Wasteland, are chained to a wall, chained, chained, and they're facing a wall. So they can't see what's behind them. They can't turn their heads. They're just facing this wall. And all they can see is what appears on the wall. Behind them is a fire, and the fire is burning. And between the fire and the prisoners, there's a walkway where uh, puppeteers uh, walk back and forth. That's the allegory for the ego being a bit of a puppeteer. So the prisoner just gets to see the shadow on the wall. They don't get to see the actual puppeteer. Now, the important point here from our perspective is not that the puppeteer is uh, good or bad, but that you're only seeing its reflection. So from the that point on the wall. The shadows on the wall. So from that point of view, from the point of view of the transcendental, the shadows on the wall are what our ego sees. It's what we take to be real in our daily lives. And behind us in the unseen puppeteer is a deeper reality, the actual event. But in essence, they are the same thing. We just need to be able to turn or undo the chain to see that. And when these come together, then you have the energy for awakening. Reminds me too of the Wizard of Oz when yeah. when uh, there's the Wizard of Oz on the wall and then there's the guy That's right. in the little um, curtain, behind the curtain, doing all the controls. Yeah, yeah so we're, we want to open the curtain. So let's talk some more about what happens after we open the curtain, after we see the puppeteer, after we step through the door of our prison. The four fears, the four deep fears are the, are the final defense. They're the key, in a sense, they're the final defense against opening that door or undoing those chains. And just to remind you, the four big fears are? Fear of abandonment. Fear of? Annihilation. Fear of? Insanity. And fear of? Being evil. Often showing up as fear of being a bad person. Right. And people I think, thinking we're a bad person. These yeah. are fears we all have. Yes. They're human. And the fear of being evil, it doesn't mean... Evil is live spelled backwards, so it's basically kind of energies that are blocked. So evil is a social cultural category or measure, and uh, it, not necessarily evil in and of itself. So you were going to say what That's happens? Right. When we step through the door. Yes. Imagine if you think of all of our fears, our fears of abandonment, our fears of uh, annihilation, our fears of whatever your particular fears happen to be, people thinking poorly of us. If you think of all of the energy that is wrapped up in those fears and wrapped up in keeping those fears at bay, preventing those things from coming true, all of that is energy that is suboptimally used. There's no winning that game. We can't expend enough energy to keep those fears away or to keep those things from happening. It's a kind of like a natural force like gravity. So that energy is much better spent on addressing those fears and transcending those fears. And that's the work of the spiritual path. Also, we are all familiar with this. It's basically the central theme in the hero's journey. And there are tons of metaphors for this. I have a number I like. One is the cloudless sky, where the clouds are all our hopes and fears and our worries and our anxieties. And always the sky is behind that 
And even within it, even within those things, the sky is still there. That's what we named our retreat center, Clear, clear sky. sky After. When you get upset, when you get frustrated, when you get irritated, when you get defensive, when you get aggressive, these are all manifestations of blocked energies. And in a sense, then you can tell when you're in your shadow if you don't feel bliss, clarity, and non-clinging. So dun, dun, if, dun, dun. if the bliss isn't there, and we don't take, we're not talking about bliss dancing naked on top of the moon, but we're just talking about being in a really good, Feeling clean good. space. If you don't feel clear and not troubled by thoughts and feelings and irritating sensations, and if you're not hanging on to what you think you need or want, then you're in a clear state. And if you're not, you are in some ways a prisoner chained facing a wall. When we're in our shadow elements or when they're, they're nebulously under there tweaking along, our ability to understand how another person speaks or talks or communicates hindered because we're, we're interpreting through our own way we need to see things. Through our conditioning and our social, cultural, and genetic and biogenealogy, epigenetic conditioning, I never remember that word. Through our epigenetic conditioning, people that are born into the world are born into that kind of prisoner motif. It's not that somebody's doing it to you particularly, mm -hmm. it's just it is. And in order to be a human being, we come in with this ego, starts around two, and the ego by definition gets locked into its patterns by identification and naming and ownership and all that Conditioning, stuff. Conditioning, basically. And then those... That's the status quo. Status quo. Right? And we're all there. We're all born there. We all live there. And even after awakening, you're still there. However, the difference is, is you can see the sky behind the clouds. The clear sky. The clear sky. So with these elements at work, they're at work all the time in our being, even while we're being fairly decent people. The ego isn't a bad thing. The ego is a decision maker. It's a planner. It's an organizer. It's a discriminator. It's a namer. It's done a lot of amazing things. It's done art and music and science and dance. This and, is the ego? Yeah. You're talking about? All of this <clears throat> stuff is wonderful. But and so far as these four fears that we mentioned at the beginning are still there, they are shading and coloring. And so they come up at really weird moments. Like you can be in a meeting with your boss and he gives you a look that triggers your dad's criticism. And now you're in dad mode and, you're, and all you're trying to do is figure out whether to raise the price or lower the price. One I like too is you're meeting a friend for coffee and they're late and you imagine that they actually hate you or they don't, they don't love you anymore is probably a more likely one. And, or, and then they finally arrive and it turns out that you know, they had car trouble. So you can see <laughs> how this fear triggers the heart chakra into a negative. Catherine said they don't like me or they hate me or now I don't like them, I hate them. <laughs> That's usually, right. usually one follows the other. Right. The reason the heart goes into that malformation is because of the block and the shadow elements in the four fears. So once you contact and allow the four fears to be there and recognize that they're of the ego, they're not of the whole being, then the ego can still have its little storyline. But underneath the wise person in you goes, yes, this is just the ego fucking around. I'm going to name the four fears again. Yes. Fear of abandonment. So that's when our friend doesn't show and we think they don't love us. Annihilation. If I do this, I'll be taken over or destroyed. Fear of insanity and fear of being evil or, or being a bad person. A question. So basically, if we are in any state other than bliss clarity... And non-clinging. Non yeah. Okay. Are we in some way entangled with the shadow? Yep. Yeah. The non-clinging is important because it's very, in particular, it's very easy to cling to bliss. Yeah. 
And as soon as we're clinging to bliss, we're not in bliss anymore. And one of the ways you can tell with this is, for instance, if your bliss is sensual-based, like touch or smell or taste. For or, example. For example, right? Then if that gets interrupted or if it gets taken away and you still don't stay in a state of bliss, clarity, non-clinging, then you know that the shadow is really operating behind that bliss. So you've kind of got a you kind of like got an icon on a computer rather than the person behind the computer. The icon is in bliss, but the person the behind avatar. it is the avatar. Yeah, the avatar is in bliss, but the person behind it is not quite so clear. Each of us have our preponderances, but most of us are pretty similar. So some of the common ones are a need for attention, a need for love and, and affection. And it's not, of course, those are wonderful things, but we need to be okay if that doesn't happen to be showing up in the mandala in the moment. And the way to that is if we have contact with the fact that the universe is always in a state of love, and, and that's one of the synonyms for bliss. It's also, it's a kind of mellow state like contentment. Uh, then I don't need to get that from somebody else. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the fear of insanity. Uh, fear of insanity really has to do with how your neighbors see you or how your parents see you. If you're insane, you don't really care particularly because you're, you don't know maybe. But the reason we fear insanity is because we fear our parents are going to see us insane and see us as failures. So the fear of insanity is really, the, is, is really connected to the fear of being a failure. And while we do that, the fear of being evil is similar. The fear of being evil is because a desire that is intrinsic in a human being is being controlled by the social cultural milieu. And if you have that desire, then you're inherently evil. Homosexuality, as an example, was illegal in, in, in Canada the past. in the past to 67. So if you're homosexual, you were evil. Uh, Trudeau changed that law in 67, but it's taken a lot longer to get through it. And you go, oh, well, okay, well, what about killing somebody? That's inherently... Well, the point is, is that if you are in a state of bliss, clarity, non-clinging, you have no motivation to kill anybody. It's when we get interrupted from bliss, clarity, non-clinging that we get threatened that we might kill somebody. So these are why the ego is afraid of these things, and that's why bliss, clarity, non-clinging... Afraid non of these urges. Yes, and why bliss, clarity, non-clinging is, in essence, the only... And, and on this we're categorical, the only solution. And on that note, this is why we meditate. We're on about integrating the shadow. We're on a, about karma yoga, working with others to learn how to meet these aspects of the shadow and to work in a good, clean space. We're on about meditation. And the reason for meditation is because in order to learn to be alone in bliss, clarity, non-clinging, you need to be quiet. And so Blaise Pascal, the famous French philosopher, said suffering is the inability to sit quietly in an empty room doing nothing and being in a state of bliss, clarity, and non-clinging. And once you learn to do that in meditation, you can carry that through a war zone. Yeah, there's, so there's no substitute. There's just no substitute for meditation. It's really the best. It's indispensable. And as Sensei said, basically we need to learn to be okay alone and quiet. And then we also need to learn to be okay in any kind of ruckus with whoever happens to show up. And karma yoga is awesome for that yeah. because for sure all of our buttons will get pushed and then it's a container to work through those buttons that are getting pushed. Whereas something like our career, if our buttons get pushed, we might just kind of put a stiff upper lip on and go home at the end of the day. 
and the issues won't necessarily get resolved. And you can argue that all disease, all disease in the body, all disease in the mind is based on this inability or unwillingness to meet the bliss, clarity, non-clinging mind. And so in meditation... You mean, can you say a little bit more about that? So the organism is kind of twisting and turning and, and mm -hmm. attacking itself, for example. Right. Or, or others. Or others. Because of the fears. Mm -hmm. And because of the, in, the, because or the energy blocks. The energy blocks. And because it doesn't have good enough access to this bliss, clarity, non-clinging. So we meditate in order to strengthen our access. But when we first start meditating, the ego now, not having all its normal dis distractions and things to go to, to kind of uh, forget that it's in chains, now that you're meditating, it goes, oh, I'm in chains. I'm being chained into this thing. What is it that's behind me, Plato? Right? And to do that, it's going to be noisy at the beginning. So meditation takes some time because you've got to realize, no, I am not turning back to the shadows. I want to open these chains and see what's going on behind. And that's why meditation... Unlock these chains, yeah. Um, unchain me! So if you're starting out in your meditation practice and your mind is going crazy and you think, uh-oh, I don't think this meditation's working, <laughs> it's making my mind worse, it's that's working. completely normal. And it's right. just showing us all, all the stuff that's going on under the surface. And we have to see that in order for us to learn to allow it to pass away. This is why we have four pillars. The karma yoga to see the shadow at work with others. Shadow work to see the shadow at work inside myself. Meditation in order to clear the space to see that bliss, clarity, and unclinging in order to have the strength to do that. And study in order to know what the frick we're talking about. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on Apple Podcasts to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. And don't forget to subscribe to get episodes and bonus content sent directly to your device. If you find the teachings of Planet Dharma resonate and are wondering how to explore them further, we recommend our free online course called Wake Up! Four Paths to Spiritual Awakening. This self-study course gives an introduction to the main approaches that Doug and Catherine employ with students to help them find their speediest path to spiritual awakening. You can learn more and register for free by visiting planetarma.com slash wake up. See you next time, and may all our efforts benefit all beings.